The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We will go over storylines for Bears-Packers. We will also talk about Aaron Rodgers' thoughts on the preseason, how to think about Brett Favre. We will discuss the Brewers' dumb losses after a great win, only because it's making me more and more sad. And that will be today's show. Uh, So a good one for you guys today. I'm excited to talk about Packers, excited to talk a little bit about the Brewers. Um, so it should be should be a good show. I hope you guys will enjoy. Um, and if you do, make sure that you are subscribed on Apple or Spotify. Good news on the Apple front. All our shows got added. Uh, the RSS issue has been fixed uh, for SoundCloud. So everything's back from last week. Um, it's a lot of Vikings Packers talk. So if you don't want to relive that, I get that. Um, so I'm not going to be mad if you don't listen. Not a lot of organics st- or uh, evergreen, not organic. Not a lot of evergreen stuff on there, but it is available uh, if you do want to listen. Um, we're also on Spotify. We're on Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. We should be there. If we're not, just hit me up. Let me know. And if you want to hit me up, you want to talk sports or you have a podcast idea or you have feedback on a show, uh, Tapping the Keg is... Uh, my Twitter account, uh, Tapping the Keg Sports, is Instagram as well as TikTok. I don't usually get DMs on TikTok uh, besides my guy Murph sending me stuff. Uh, so, but if you want to go that route, you certainly can. If you're joining us from TikTok, we had a Zadarius Smith thing that's been going a little bit vi vi uh, for me. I, I should kill myself right away. I said that, uh, but no, viral. Uh, yeah, it's like it's for us. It is. I mean, everybody's viral standards are different. But yeah, I picked up pace after. Uh, after Packers lost the Vikings, I was like, well, oh, how, how are you? Like, oh, this aged well. Like, I, yeah, I get that. Like, you're now the seventh guy who's commented this aged well. Of course it didn't age well. Uh, but, yeah, go watch that. Uh, maybe get into it with some Vikings fans if you want. But, yeah, so we're on TikTok, and you can send me notes there. Or, again, send me ideas. I'm happy to, uh, you know, do what people want. Um, that's kind of what I'm all about. So, yes, uh, we'll also have Mitch on Thursday, uh, that hopefully will be a regular thing. Um, so if you're more of a tabbing the keg fan, which that's fine, you want to hear Mitch Dustle tones. Um, Mitch should be on every Thursday. Still trying to work out the stuff with Shannon. Um, again, I bet that's just me. I'm holding myself accountable by telling me much how much of an idiot I am. So that's kind of it's kind of how I do it. Um, so I gotta still I gotta work on that. Um, hopefully I got some time this week uh, in between the move. All right, let's start talking about Green Bay Packer, Chicago Bears storylines. The rivalry renewed. Uh, It has not been much of a rivalry recently. Aaron Rodgers' ownership over the Chicago Bears has made it that way. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is 21-3 against the Chicago Bears. Now, Bears have a new coach, Matt Eberflus, and Matt Eberflus knows that beating the Green Bay Packers sends a statement to your fan base. Now, the Bears would also be 2-0, the Packers would be 0-2. Um, there would be a lot of other things in the air. But the idea of Eberflus beating the Packers is a huge feather in his cap. It was kind of the thing that propelled Lovey Smith early on before he had very successful Bears teams was that Lovey Smith beat the Packers. And that was a huge thing for their fan base as you're transitioning, not necessarily transitioning, I was going to say transitioning out far, but it was like the early 2000s. So you still had a seven years of far, right? I think Lovey held on to his job for all of Favre's tenure, but Lovey sort of made it a point to beat the Packers. Now, Eberflus has not necessarily had that same energy, but I, I do think that it is a big deal for the Bears fan base if Matt Eberflus was able to go into Lambeau Field on primetime with the Packers already having a loss and beating this team. I think they are going to want to send a statement, and I think the Packers need to match their energy. 
If you remember, last year after the New Orleans game, they played Detroit, who is a brand new coach with Dan Campbell. Now, Dan Campbell's a fucking hardo and thinks the world's against him and everything else. So it was a little more amplified there. But at the same time, I think it was similar feelings, right? Dan Campbell wanted to make himself known in the NFC North and the Bears put up, or I'm sorry, Lions, pardon me, different animal, put up a uh, good fight in the first half of that game and the Packers turned on the Jets and won convincingly in the second half. I don't actually, I don't, can't remember if they covered the spread or not. Spread was large because everyone expected the Lions to be bad, but I can't, can't recall what it looked. I think it might have been right around what we're seeing today, which is nine and a half or 10. And we'll talk about the Packers from a betting perspective on our betting show on Friday, which is kind of like a weekend preview as well. So stay tuned for that. But let's get into the storylines. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the things I'm keeping an eye on heading into this week. Will Aaron Rodgers actually get the ball to AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones? Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have been very keen on Jones did not get enough touches. I feel like we've heard that after the game. We heard that uh, on Pat McAfee's show yesterday when Aaron Rodgers did his weekly sit-down. Will Aaron Jones actually get fed is the question. I think that's something we have to we have to like be realistic about because Aaron Rodgers can say this, but he checks out of a lot of runs. It, there are a lot of times where it seems like an obvious run and they go to a pass. And now, is that all Rodgers? I don't know. I'm not a film boy. I'm not studying the All-22. I can't tell between you know what Rodgers is doing at the line. I'm not that smart, and nor does Rodgers want me to know if it's going to be a run or a pass. So if there is a more run-focused approach to what the Green Bay Packers want to do, even if they're trailing... I think that would be a good sign forward. Aaron Jones needs the rock. A.J. Dillon needs the rock. Green Bay was very successful running the football. We talked a little bit about this on Monday's show about how there was more of an emphasis on running the football and how Tampa Bay, you know, kind of showed a little bit of a blueprint against the good Cowboys defense. You know, you can say what you want about that offense, but that defense stinks. Or uh, is good. Offense stinks. Defense is good. And the fact of the matter is, is they ran all over them because they had a great balanced approach. The Packers need more of that. And I think Rodgers knows that. I, I He knows that like off the field, but does he know that on the field? That's that's my trepidation, right? Is he still McCarthy brained a little bit where he goes completely away from the run? Or if the Packers are down 7-0 or 10-0, that they stop running the football, which we've seen in the past. So hopefully none of that happens. Hopefully we have a massive day from Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I think that Dillon and Jones props are going to be off the charts. I think people are going to be all over those. I think you have to expect big days from both of them, especially because the quarterback and coach are both like, yeah, we fucked up by not getting Aaron Jones the ball. I know A.J. Dillon had a little more action, but I do think the the thought holds the same. Aaron Jones also not mad about any, I mean, it kind of just shows you how like great of a guy Aaron Jones is. Like Aaron Jones wasn't complaining after game, wasn't like, hey, this is just my role, like not mad about it. It's hard not to like Aaron Jones and it's hard not to understand why Aaron Jones is the captain of this football team. Uh, Going to defense for storyline number two, will the safeties show up in this one? They had a really bad game one. It was a bad game for Darnell Savage. It was a bad game for Adrian Amos. How do they respond? Uh, According to Pro Football Focus, which to me is not a Bible, um, I will use Pro Football Focus when I find a good stat, but I'm also not going to say it is the end-all, be-all of everything. 
um, good and bad. Like if they were like, there was some weird stat about route runs with rookie receivers, which we won't mention uh, when we talk about the rookies later in this uh, segment. But I, where that's like, I don't know, man. That seems so kind of wacky. Not wacky, but just like trying a little too hard to be like, oh, the receivers need to get the ball more. Anyways, back to the safeties. They graded out Amos and Savage as two of the four worst safeties in all of the NFL in week one. That can't happen again. I know Justin Fields has a lot of issues. I realize that Justin Fields is not the same quarterback that we saw with Kirk Cousins or that we'll see next week with Tom Brady, but it needs to be better from Darnell Savage and Andrew Namos in the middle of the field. I can have one of them struggle. I can't have both of them struggle. If the middle is wide open for teams, that is going to be a major, major issue with the Packer defense. And I said to you guys earlier and earlier as a lead up to this that I love this defense, but the one thing that worried me was the safeties because I didn't know how good Darnell Savage was, and I still don't really know how good Darnell Savage is. And that concerns me kind of going forward. I I think the Packers can figure it out. I think it's going to be okay. But Darnell Savage needs to find his role and needs to define it a little bit more. And if Darnell Savage can't do it, then you got to start looking at other options in that position, or you have to look at ways that maybe you can hide Savage or use him in more of maybe a corner role. I do think the talent's there. We've seen it. He just hasn't necessarily took that next step, right? We saw it originally, and you just have not seen that next step. Adrian Amos had a really good year last year. I'm very hesitant to think that Adrian Amos is regressing. Um, I think that would be an overreaction that like he's he kind of hit his peak and now it's kind of the tail end of his career. I kind of don't believe that yet. Um, we'll see what happens, right? I mean, Chicago is a little different again than what we saw last week. So Adrian Amos should have more opportunities. This should be an easy bounce back for the safety group, but I need to see it. And if they don't play well, I think that is a major, major worry heading into week three against Tampa Bay. Number three, will the offensive line wake up? It was a bad day for the offensive line. It was probably the worst Packers offensive line performance since the Tampa Bay NFC Championship game. That's kind of how it felt. Now, they weren't that good against San Francisco, but I really don't understand Jake Hansen. Like, I can't get it. Um, I was thinking about it before the game that we really don't have a guy to pick up, Right. Like Kevin King was the guy that everybody sort of, you know, would dogpile when things weren't going right with the secondary. It was like, oh, it's Kevin King's fault. And now that Kevin King's gone, there was like really no guy, but Jake Hansen emerged. It took Jake Hansen one game to be that guy. So now Jake Hansen is the guy that we all target. And the Packers offensive line just needs to be better. They need to give Aaron Rodgers more time. They need to let him work through his progressions and look for the open guys. Aaron Rodgers is at his best when he's comfortable in the pocket and gets some time to really find the open receiver. I think Jake Hansen should not be starting this week. I don't know what the Packers offensive line will look like. We'll see We'll see heading into the game on Sat on Sunday. Uh, Zach Tom didn't necessarily have the greatest debut. Zach Tom has been better at the tackle position. So it wasn't like Zach Tom immediately changed everything. I think we all wanted Zach Tom. I don't know if Zach Tom really made enough of an impact to be like, hey, he's out here. Now, if John Runyon can't go because of his concussion, then it's going to be Zach Tom. And the question is, will they do anything different from a right guard, right tackle position? Might they push Royce Newman in if Jenkins and Bakhtiari can't play and you push push Jan- uh, Royce Newman in 
and then you push out Josh Neiman. Like, Josh Neiman didn't play in this one, remember. Could you use Josh Neiman instead at the right tackle position? Caleb Jones gets elevated from pack squad. I don't think Caleb Jones is going to be a starter, I, but I do think you could use some heavy offensive line sets with Caleb Jones. He is a massive dude. Like you need, you should take advantage of his size. Like he could be a guy that you use in some heavy situations if it's in the playbook. But Aaron Rodgers has kind of made note that they don't necessarily have like a 23 personnel, which is three running backs in their system. So I don't know if they have a heavy set in their in their personnel either. But we'll see. But yeah, I just I I hope the offensive line is different. I hope they try some different things. Bears do have a pretty good pass rush with Robert Quinn leading the way and trying to probably get his way out of Chicago. Um, Roquan Smith also there, very good very good linebacker. Bears have some talent in that front seven, and so the Packers shouldn't discount that. I know Akeem Hicks isn't there, which is a big help for on the Packers side of things, but they still have a solid defense. And even though I think they benefited from the rain, I still think you're gonna see some good stuff out of that defense, just given Eberflus' background and pedigree, and usually had pretty good defenses with the Indianapolis Colts. Storyline number four, the defense should eat against Justin Fields. I'm not buying any sort of Justin Fields development story. Uh, Justin Fields really struggled in the win against the 49ers. I realized they won a game. I realized that Fields had some moments in that one. But if you kind of go through it, it's not, it's not great. Uh, his first half was a complete disaster. He got a touchdown on a broken play. He was pressured all day. It took him forever to throw the football. Green Bay should have a field day with Justin. Uh, that should be a big, big day for the defense. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, who had what? I think he had six pressures from the inside. Uh, so we're already seeing Kenny Clark thrive with Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry. So that that's a huge thing. I think you're going to have a bad day for Justin. I think it's a sad day, bad day. For Justin Fields. I do not think Justin Fields is going to have any sort of success against this Packers defense. Uh, I do think if Quay Walker can play, that'd be great because I do think that that kind of mitigates Fields trying to run the ball uh, because you have a linebacker that can kind of go sideline to sideline and that's huge. Um, so having that would be really important. Having Isaiah McDuffie sort of be that guy would worry me a little bit, but I still think the Packers can be successful uh, with or without Walker and against Fields all day. I think they're going to have some really good moments. Also, too, Walker, my, uh, I was going to say, did he play with Fields in Georgia? But I don't think so. I think I think Fields had already transferred by the time Walker got there. But who knows? Maybe there is some familiarity even even so. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like how the Packers' chances defensively against Fields. I think they're going to make some big plays. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a pick six or we get another big moment from that that, that defense. Last thing, will the rookie receivers get a moment? Um, we didn't see much uh, from Kristen Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Watson, you know, obviously had that catch that should have been at the beginning of the game. They both ran jet sweeps at different points of the game where the left side was open. Uh, but will we see even more from them? Now, there are people who are doing the film room study. They're getting into their all 22, which I'm not a huge fan of. Transparently, like I respect what they're doing. I, I get it. But I just think it's like, how much do you know? Like uh, Wendell Ferreira, I think he writes for Cheesehead TV. He might write somewhere else. Wendell Ferreira had one where he's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers missed Christian Watson wide open. And Kurt Benekert, former Packer, was like, 
in all due respect, like, that would be an interception. Like, the screenshot is not a way to really look at this. Like, you have to kind of look at the progression of it. And that was a, I think that's a good learning, but, like, that's kind of my point, right? Like, Benekert, basically, who knows more because he's in, he was in the system, he plays the game, uh, is like, yeah, that's an interception. So, like, you you get this for, for retweets, you get these for likes, and it's like, no, in reality, like, this would have been an interception. And that's, I think, my problem with, like, the All-22 look. You can look at it and you can watch sort of from afar, but screenshotting shit, I think, does not help. I know it's good for social. I know that helps, but everything really should be in live action. If you notice something in live action and you circle it and you're like, yeah, Rodgers missed his guy, fair enough. I think the idea that Rodgers wasn't looking at his rookie receivers and he was checking down it's way too early to say that, right? It's way too early to say he's not trusting Watson and Dobbs. I think we need to see a little more on tape. I think the pressure was a little too much for Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers, Mr. I don't want to play preseason, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, I, I think that would have more to do with it than it did. I didn't want to put, throw in my rookie receivers. That's. I think the pressure just kind of got to him a little bit. And then he started forcing it to guys that he knew. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if, if that is similar thing after after Sunday. Then yeah, we gotta talk about it, right? That's two straight weeks of of that being an issue and not maybe trusting the guys that are on the field. I think Josiah Deguerra is another interesting one, which I can't remember if I mentioned on on Monday. But like Jordan Love fed Josiah Deguerra, I think two passes and it looked pretty good. And I'm like, why isn't Josiah Deguerra on the on the you know roster a little bit more? Like why is he playing more? And I think it's because Rodgers likes Ty- Tyler Davis, but it's like, uh, I don't know. What what is Ty- what does Tyler Davis do? Big old Tyler Davis. What has he done? I, I, I've been saying that for a while now, though. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, it should be a good week. I'm excited. Uh, anytime around primetime is good. I think it loses a little bit of its luster with it being Mike Tirico. I like, I like Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico, consummate pro. That's what everybody says. But it, it's not the same as Al Michaels. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to hearing... Al's voice on Thursday night for that awesome Chiefs-Chargers game. I'm very excited for it. I actually really like the Chargers. A uh, little uh, early gambling advice. Like I think they're four-and-a-half-point dogs. Chargers have been really successful at Arrowhead. And there's a little bit of an overreaction with how well the Chiefs played in week one. Chiefs have a bunch of guys hurt because of the turf at, in Arizona. Um, so I, I like the Chiefs in this one. Or I'm sorry, I like the Chargers. I don't know if I like the money line. I don't think I'm going to go that far. But I, and I actually too like the Chargers plus an under tease, um, which is a, a psycho move. I, I I haven't decided if I'm gonna go because uh, it's like you're really gonna take an under in Chiefs Chargers. I might, I, bitch, I might. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but I just I don't know. I just I think lines that are over fifty in the early parts of this of this season is it's a lot. Um, I think we have one and one uh, with overs over fifty this early in the season. Maybe. Maybe I'll have to re-examine. We'll go back to the lab. I'll let you know. All right, let's move on really quick. Uh, we'll do kind of a, well, actually, we're going to talk about a couple things quickly as sort of the second segment. Uh, Rogers and his visit with Pat McAfee. I think you always have to kind of talk about what Rogers says during that weekly thing with Pat, uh, just because there's so much content that comes out of it. Um, I've joked before, it makes all of our jobs easier. But I think it makes no job easier than the local radio host who has to fill anywhere from three to four hours. It's like, okay, we can pick this thing, this thing, this thing. 
and just aggregate the fuck out of it. But I do think you need to focus on at least like the big talking point, whether you're doing a podcast, whether you're writing, whether you're doing a radio show. And to me, the big thing that I saw, and I also did it on TikTok, uh, you can follow there, Tabby the Keg Sports. Um, but the big thing I saw was the fact that Roger still rebuked the idea of preseason. And I just can't believe that that's still Roger's take. Like, I, I'm very, like, to me, that's a situation where Aaron Rodgers is too smart for his own good. Aaron Rodgers thinks he knows more than everybody else. Like, Patrick Mahomes just put on a goddamn show in week one, and he played every preseason game. And you're telling me that not having some reps with these guys and getting comfortable and understanding their tendencies wouldn't help you out. And Aaron Rodgers is like, whoa, they don't scheme the defense. It's like, yeah, dude, I understand that. I understand that you're not going to get some of those looks. I understand that you're not going to get the pass rush. But my God, man, after two straight week ones of disappointment and futility, you'd think you'd learn your lesson. You'd think you'd look at this and say, all right, why can't, why do we come out so slow? And you can say, well, in 2020, we put up 43 points. It's like, yeah, but everybody was kind of on the same playing field. Everybody had just been practicing. So it wasn't a situation where you had this, I guess, if you will, like competitive advantage. Like I think playing in the preseason has a competitive advantage unless you have fluidity in your team, which is the Minnesota Vikings did. And, and I know people will point to the Vikings and say, well, the Vikings didn't play their offensive guys. Okay, but like Kirk Cousins, Cook, Jefferson, Thielen, even Irv Smith, like they've played a lot, a lot of games together. Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs have played 0.0 games together. Now, I realize Watson couldn't have been out there preseason-wise, but him and Dobbs could have at least started working on that connection. He could have started working on life without Devontae. Look at some of those looks. I, I think it just would help. Maybe formed a better relationship with a guy like Daguerre, as we just mentioned, or continue your relationship with a guy like Tyler Davis, or maybe open your eyes that Davis isn't necessarily the guy that you think he is. I think Aaron Rodgers is a little less receptive than he needs to be preseason-wise. And I think there could be a lot that's helped, even if the looks aren't great, even if the pressure isn't what you're used to. I still think that that could have helped Aaron Rodgers. And I'm a little disappointed in the way that he just kind of brushes it off. Um, it's it's very Rodgers, but at the same point, I, I just do not agree. And I think the proof is in the pudding. I originally was like, hey, look, it's fine. Um, and I said, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. But when I said damned if you do, it was like, guys get hurt. But then we all get hurt week one. So it's like, eh, is it is it really any different? I know I met it. I think I said the same line on Monday, but it bears repeating. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, how how much does it matter? So anyways, I, I'm, I'm kind of upset that Rodgers went that route, but I'm not, I'm also not really surprised. Also, other topic kind of to discuss uh, is Brett Favre. So news came out yesterday that Brett Favre was texting with the old governor, basically saying that he was running a fraud scheme uh, to defund welfare uh, from the poor residents of Mississippi to build a volleyball arena. Now, Jeff Perlman, who wrote the book on Brett Favre, it is a good book. Jeff Perlman said, don't buy the book <laughs> and went crazy. But that doesn't surprise me that Jeff Perlman lost his mind on Twitter. Uh, the guy is so broken-brained over Trump um, still today. Um, I think he probably still believes that Russia stole the election. So I'm not surprised that Jeff Perlman 
went completely off the reservation when it came to Brett Favre. I'm sure he'd be offended by me using off the reservation. But still, like, he went fucking crazy. I don't think you need to go that nuts. But I do think you need to dial in what you think about Brett Favre. I think we can all agree that what happened with him and Jen Sturger was awful. Uh, was definitely not great. I do think, though, that Jen Sturger... Um, and again, I'm not trying to victim shame. I don't want that to be approached here. But I think Jen Sturger has done a lot to remind people that, hey, yeah, Brett Favre sent his dick to me to keep herself in the news. She did it a few times. She hasn't done it as much anymore. But for a little bit um, in the late aughts, like Jen Sturger would come in and with like over the top be like, oh, yeah, remember Brett Favre sent his dick to me? And it's like, okay, like if this was such a traumatic thing, you wouldn't be bringing this back up and putting it back into the, you know, sort of social virality sort of thing. Like that's, like if this, if this affected you so much, like why the fuck are you bringing it back up? And it's like, yeah, we can laugh at it now. I, I don't know, man. Like if you're going to act like it's this bad thing and it's indefensible, like then it shouldn't be talked about. We should not bring it up. But, but anyways, back to Favre and the welfare scandal, it's really bad. He might get arrested. Like, he. this is really, really damning shit. And I also think, like, it kind of needs to be talked about. Like, I don't think that anyone can run away with it. I know that ESPN Milwaukee has a partnership with Favre, but they, if they are quote-unquote journalists, which I don't know if local radio is journalists, I know they have some journalists on staff with Jen Lada. Uh, who does great work, and I know her father, you know, is battling something, and thoughts go out to her, but, like, that should be talked about. Like, it should be discussed. I understand that he's part of the ESPN Wisconsin family, but also uh, there probably needs to be internal meetings of, is it good for us to have Brett Favre every week with what's going on? And I don't know, man. 33, or the 33rd team, which is, like, Mike Tannenbaum's uh, GM thing, I guess. Uh, I don't really know what it is, um, honestly. But anyways, Tannenbaum runs that and Favre's a contributor. And again, it's like, do you really want Brett Favre doing that? I, I'm getting to the point where I think Brett Favre's a little bit toxic. And I still think you can appreciate what he did as a Packer, okay? Like, I still think you can look at it and say, Brett Favre had an incredible career. Brett Favre had some incredible moments. He won the Packers a Super Bowl. He kept the Packers successful for years on end. Like, you can't dismiss that. Like, you cannot necessarily throw that baby out of the bathwater. That happened, all right? Like, even though he turned out to be a piece of shit, you can't necessarily take that away. I still think Brett Favre is worth like that part of it. I think you can have those memories and separate what happened in his career after the Green Bay Packers, not counting the starter stuff, okay? I want that to be separate. Like I think that to me is a separate thing than the welfare scandal. I just think in general, Brett Favre was kind of a bad dude. And I think he always was. And I think we didn't know that. And to me, Brett was more Manziel than I think people want to believe. Um, if you've heard stories about him and his activities at Taylor's uh, back in the 90s or him falling downstairs at different bars here in Milwaukee when he was drinking, like Brett Favre was an animal, all right? Brett Favre would have been going viral on Barstool or Old Roll every fucking week. 
But because we didn't have social media, because we didn't have camera phones, Brett Favre was allowed to get away with it. Because we didn't have, you know, women speaking up when things went wrong. We we don't we didn't know, okay? And so that to me is a lot of it where I I just I know I've known this for a while. Like this isn't new to me. And I guess I can separate the stuff on the field and the stuff off the field. On the field, Brett Favre is one of the best players I've ever watched and a joy to to watch for years. Off the field, I think he's one of the more despicable athletes that we've had. And I guess I can separate it. I don't know. Um, that, and you could be like, well, Charlie, what makes a difference than like Deshaun Watson? It is really hard though to like come down on other guys then for off the field stuff. It's like, should I should I have that same approach about Deshaun Watson? I don't know. Maybe I would if I was a Browns fan, but I'm not a Browns fan. So I don't necessarily have that where I need to come to terms. I think it's the fact that I'm a Packer fan and I've seen what Favre had done. And I think that's the case with a lot of this stuff. Off the field stuff sucks. You hate when your guys are assholes. You hate when they do stuff that is inappropriate and that shouldn't be done. But at the end of the day, they still are your guys and you're still cheering for them. And it's hard to separate that. It's hard to remove the jersey from the actual guy because that's what you're cheering for. You're kind of cheering for laundry. You're cheering for what's on the helmet, what's on the front, and what's not necessarily on the back of your jersey. Okay? And so I think that's where it all lands on. I mean, if I was doing a Browns podcast, I'm sure I would have wrestled with the idea of Deshaun Watson. If I was a Suns fan right now and with what happened with Robert Sarver, which is terrible, it's a lot easier to admonish that because he's a fucking owner. He's a rich white guy who basically used his privilege to say the N-word, to talk about blowjob jokes, to send porn to his coworkers. Like, that's a guy using his privilege. And I, I hate people kind of, I usually hate that sentence, but it's true. That's exactly what Robert Sar- Sarver did. And somehow it's not worse than Donald Sterling and make himself a team. It's like, what does Sarver have, skeletons-wise, for Adam Silver that he's not making Sarver sell the team? And that's easy to admonish. But if if that was Chris Paul and you're a Suns fan, like, I don't know, man. Like, how how are are you able to just separate that? It's really hard. It's easy for us to do when we're not cheering for them, that team, just like Watson. But it, it, it becomes hard when it's your guy. And Favre's our guy. But I, I don't really, I'm not necessarily going to champion what Favre, you know, does off the field. And I think I've always kind of known him as a dick. Um, but I think this kind of furthers that and it's a case close. Uh, Brett Favre's not a good human. And that's just that. He was a bad human who was really good at football. And, and there are people like that all over football, whether it was in the 90s, whether it was the 80s, right now. There are bad humans that play on rosters that are really good at football. Tyreek Hill is another great example of that, right? With Tyreek Hill, with his pregnant girlfriend at the time, like that's despicable behavior. Yet, we forget about it because Tyreek Hill is a good football player. We forget about what Kareem Hunt did because he's a good football player. But do I think they're good humans? I don't know, man. I can't, I don't think so. Um, I think if you do that, you're objectively bad. And that's the same with Favre. Okay, that went a little longer than I expected, but that's okay. Um, I think 
think it's a tough topic. Um, it's not necessarily an easy one to discuss. Um, it's a little more serious than I'd like. Um, but I, I think we did a good job. If we didn't, um, certainly let me know. Uh, tap in the keg on Twitter, tap in the keg sports on Instagram. All right, moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. Man, great win for the Milwaukee Brewers last night. 8-4, to beat the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, always going to beat the Cardinals. Brewers are now seven games back of the NL Central. Uh, as I, I think I said uh, on Monday's show, like if the, Packer, if the Brewers, not the Packers, if the Brewers win uh, these two games, they're six back. Like They're at least lurking. But man, this all this shit makes you think about the dumb losses that the Brewers had in the last month. And I know we talked about it, I think, last Wednesday, where after the Brewers had lost the Colorado Rockies, um, blowing a five-run lead. But you look at all of that and you're like, oh, how does this affect the race? And originally I was like, oh, well, the Padres didn't really lose a lot during these four games where the Brewers had obvious wins. But if I actually kind of peel that onion back, the Brewers would have 80 wins right now. The Brewers would be second wild card with at least from a wins perspective. The Phillies would be next and the Padres would actually be, I think, a game and a half back of the Phillies. That's how it would look if the Brewers had won all these games. And if the Brewers had won these, I think they're only then three back of the St. Louis Cardinals when it comes to the top spot in the NL Central. So they are basically in spitting distance of the Cardinals. And I think that has to wear a little bit on the Brew Crew. Like, it just does. Like, you can't get away from it. And it sucks that it finally feels like this team is figuring it out. Like it took until basically rock bottom after Colorado and the Giants thing started to kind of turn it around. But now what they've won five of their last six, six games. So they're feeling good. It's just a question. Is it a little too late? I don't know. Um, There's still a little bit of baseball to play, right? It's not out of this world that the Brewers can't necessarily figure it out. Like again, they beat St. Louis today. St. Louis then has two games with the Reds that will count as half games. Who knows where, where that goes. The Brewers would also have the tiebreaker over the Cardinals if they win tonight and you have Corbin Burns on the mound and you've gotten to Adam Wainwright for the most part besides that awesome pitching duel that Wainwright and Burns had about a month ago, which is I'm excited to kind of run that back. Uh, that was one of the better Brewer games I felt like of the entire year. So I get that again tonight is very special. But yeah, I, I mean, I think the NL Central is probably out of reach at this point. And who knows about the wild card? Like you've kind of done this to yourself. Like now the Padres are going to face the Cardinals. I think they have to play the Dodgers again, but the Dodgers have clinched the NL West. So at this point, the Dodgers are just going to be about staying healthy. Like they're going to play, they're going to play the games, but they don't need to necessarily do much. I think they have the one seed pretty much on lock. Like the Dodgers are, are definitely going to, you know, sort of take, take their time and I'm going to say mail it in, but they're, they're not necessarily going to be the same Dodgers team that we saw in Milwaukee or in LA back in August. And so that sucks. And now the Padre, we'll see. We'll just sort of see. I mean, have another game against the Mariners tonight. Uh, you Darvish was pretty strong, but it's going to be just every day hoping you win and then hoping the Padres lose. And until you're able to kind of take over that spot and We'll see if the Brewers are able to do that. Who the Padres have this weekend to figure that out. Good radio. Uh, Cardinals have the Reds, which doesn't help things. Uh, the Reds are 
pretty pretty bad. Um, they're not good. But yeah, the the we have one more with the Mariners. Josh Hader looks like he's kind of fixed too, which good for Josh, I guess, but bad for us. Um, that's not not ideal. But yeah, you have uh, San Diego, Seattle, actually a three time start, so we'll know uh, San Diego's fate. Luis Castillo uh, going for the Mariners, and then the Padres actually head out to Arizona. Arizona has taken a little bit of a step back. Um, and it not necessarily the same team that we've seen. Oh wow, they have we have Thursday night baseball on Fox. Did not know that. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, but anyways. Uh, San Diego at Arizona um, on Thursday. So four-game series. So, yeah, there's might be some opportunities to kind of even out that half game. So we'll see, see what the Brewers could do. They could potentially head into their weekend series against the Yankees uh, with only being one game back of the San Diego Padres. And Aaron Judge might have a chance to break the record at Miller Park, at least the Yankees' record of 61 home runs. Uh, we'll see. I'm very nervous about Aaron Judge at, at American Family Field uh, and Jason Alexander pitching in that one. Uh, that's that's rough. Uh, not necessarily good, uh, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, it'll be definitely an interesting weekend. But yeah, very very happy with the Brewers yesterday. I felt like that was as good of a team win as we've seen. I mean, they were able to get eight runs offensively against Jordan Montgomery, who's been really good. But it kind of looks like a little bit of regression. Kind of, I think the book now has been adjusted for him and sort of been figured out after Montgomery's now been in the NL for a little bit. They were able to tag him for six runs, four of those earned. Uh, he was only he only struck out six, but yeah, the Brewers really did a lot. And yeah, that bullpen man only allowing four hits total, three walks. Um, or oh, I'm sorry, six hits uh, allowed. Uh, four runs, pardon me. But a lot of that was early on. It was with Matt Bush. That was with Strzelecki and Luis Perdomo. But I do credit to Perdomo, man. Like, I, I know he was the the reason why they lost that game last Tuesday. Perdomo, three innings, three hits allowed, one run. I mean, pretty solid stuff from Luis. So, yeah, you're going to need a big Burns day. Um, you didn't burn Devin Williams, which helps. But hopefully their guys are going to be ready. I mean, I guess also, too, Boxberger only pitching nine, Topo only pitching 12, Rogers only 10. You could probably make a case, and Suter only nine. You could probably make a case that all those guys could be out there again um, tonight if need be because you do have the extra day off on Thursday. But the last thing you need is a, a long extra innings game or Cor- Corbin Burns getting shelled. Hopefully we see the Burns uh, from Thursday. And he also did shove against this team last time around. So hopefully a lot of that is going to be the same. Unfortunately, we'll not talk about it because, I, again, we have the podcast with Mitch. We'll make sure to mention it on Friday's show uh, as we get ready for Brewers-Yankees, which should be an exciting weekend series. Like, definitely one to keep an eye on as everything goes on. But that does it for today's show. Uh, like I said, we'll be back with Mitch. Uh, we'll talk Packers-Bears. Uh, we'll talk Giannis. Uh, we haven't done a lot of basketball. Uh, Giannis uh, is done with Greece. We'll kind of talk about anything that we could take away from that. If we're, you know, how excited, you know, does that make us more excited, less excited about the season? Um, and then we'll we'll do some Brewer stuff, but we'll we'll probably not talk about uh, the game itself on Wednesday night. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great Wednesday, and we'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.